I am so glad you're here. My name is Rick Holman. I'm the pastor here. Um, my job is to shepherd you guys and hang out with you. And I've got a, a few thoughts to share with you. It's going to be brief because I know there's a honey-baked ham waiting for me. <laughs> I'm serious. There's a honey-baked ham waiting for me. And so I've been thinking about it all day. Um, but... Um, no, it's just totally now I'm totally distracted. But I was thinking about all the songs we've been singing and the, and the words that the sweet Seegerman shared with us today. Um, and, you know, you, you can walk into Macy's right now and hear Hark the Herald Angels sing and people can sing, oh, come let us adore him and all this stuff in public. And there's just, everybody's okay with that. And I'm just thinking, there is something special about this night. There's something special about this night that spawns the years. You know, for 2,000 years, people have been gathering on this night to celebrate something. It, it spawned not only, not only years, but, but, but time zones and cultures. People who go to church all the time, people who never go to church, come together on this night because there's something special about this night. And I just, I'm just amazed at it because I, I can't think of another tradition out there man-made or any other little God-made that draws people together like this <coughs> night does. And so it's just a special night, and I'm going to keep it brief because I realize I'm the only thing holding you away from your honey-baked ham. And so <laughs> let me pray for us, and we'll ask the Lord to bless our words here today. Pray with me. Lord, we are grateful for this night. It is a night in which people have gathered, as I said, across time zones, uh, across cultures, um, just across 20 centuries, Lord, to celebrate this night. So there's something significant about this night, and yet we continue to gather, and we continue to never grow weary of this story. So, Lord, we pray that um, you would meet each and every one of us where we're at, those who are close to you and those that are far from you. I pray that these words would draw us all just a little bit closer and a little bit deeper in love with you. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Well, there's something special about this night. It can't be just that there was a simple little baby born in Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. We sing about this little baby that just happened to come onto the scene, kind of real low-key, born in a manger, not a whole lot of pomp and circumstance until the angels got involved, until the shepherds got involved, until the three wise men got involved. But it was really not that different of a birth. Yet, as I said, for 2,000 years, we gather today as family, those who know this story well and those who maybe just know the tradition of it well, but we gather tonight because we never grow weary of this story. And I'm trying to think, what is it that's so special about this story? And it leads me right to a book of the Bible where the Apostle Paul shares just a really simple phrase that maybe lets us in on what is so significant about this night as opposed to any other night, as opposed to any other tradition, philosophy, whatever it is, people gather on this night to celebrate. And I think these words are helpful for us. The Apostle Paul, for those of you who may not know, was a guy who used to kill Christians and then in the blink of a flash of a light became a believer. And then he was probably the greatest missionary the church has ever seen. And his words resonate in over half of the New Testament that we read from in church. And so I want to read for you these words found in, in the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read chapter 9, verse 15. It's a real simple phrase, and I think you'll all remember it. Paul says, Thanks be to God, 
for his indescribable <coughs> gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Well, we all know what the gift is. It's why we gather tonight. It's because there was a present delivered to us in a stable in Bethlehem and a little baby named Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, as the angels would tell the virgin. As the angels would tell the dad, Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from his sins. That's the gift that we gather to celebrate tonight. But I think there's something significant about that word indescribable. I think there's something so magnificent about that word indescribable that we as curious beings try to figure out things and try to understand the meaning and purpose in life and try to make sense of every single thing in our life. And yet there's this one thing that's indescribable. And there's three things that I think that are indescribable about this gift in Jesus that I'll share with you. But I think there's one that's going to stand out more that perhaps helps us grasp why we still gather 2,000 years later. The first is the creator of the universe, the king, the guy who created each one of us, became a man and made his dwelling among us in the form of Jesus, a historical character who is written about across the literary divide. That people talk about this Jesus from far and wide, that he would come to earth, and it was through Jesus that we would ultimately get to see God, that we would be, get, we would be able to know God and who he was through Jesus. So God coming to our presence as we see on Christmas morning, or is it possible that that Jesus would grow up and then perform many miraculous things that are written about, that people saw with their own eyes that have written these things down, that he saw walking on water happen. He turned water into wine. He rose people from the dead. These are all documented facts that we get excited about today. And so perhaps that's something that's indescribable about this gift. But I'm going to say it perhaps is this third point. And it's as Carson alluded to. It's so hard to separate Christmas from Easter. Because that little baby boy would grow up, grow up into a man, perform these incredible things that people would speak about for thousands of years. But then something would happen at the end of his life that transforms a world. That causes us all to gather as a family for 2,000 years to celebrate this man. And what it was was he would go to his death. And he would go to his death in an awful, gruesome way. But what was so exciting about that is hundreds upon hundreds of people saw him raise himself from the dead. And that completely transformed the world. We are a living byproduct of that transformational experience that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But think about it for a minute. That dying was something significant. And what you see in these things as far as God becoming man, God performing these miracles through Jesus, and God laying his life down for us on the cross in Jesus, is you see perhaps the greatest picture of love that man has ever known. And I think it's this love that is indescribable. I think this is this love that causes us to get together every year and celebrate on this night. It's that love that we have such a hard time making sense of. Because in our culture, in our language, we have one word that says love. And I'm going to let you on a secret. 
I love pizza. I absolutely love pizza. Last night, my girls are home. They made homemade pizza. They put way too much cheese on it, and I'm a little slow today because I ate so much pizza, but I love pizza. But I also love my wife. Now, hopefully, I love pizza differently than I love my wife. <laughs> or hopefully, I love my wife differently than I love pizza, but in our language, it's hard to distinguish the true meaning of this indescribable love. But in the language that the Bible was written in, they use four different words to help understand these layers of love. One is a brotherly type of love, kind of like when you know sports teams have or work teams have where they just go to war with each other, a brotherly type of love. Then there's a friendship type of love that you and I have with a lot of our neighbors and such or coworkers. It's just that kind of friendship type of love. Then there's a third love, which is the, the one that's kind of fun. It's the romantic love. And it's the love that's shared between spouses or boyfriends and girlfriends. It's reserved for a sacred bond between two people. But there's a fourth love that the Bible uses, and sweet Anja shared it for us tonight. In that famous passage from the book of John, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son as a gift to us that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. For God so loved, that word is the fourth love. It's that agape love. It's this selfless love. It's this love that somebody would lay down their life for another in expectation of nothing in return. It's a love that we can't even begin to see the full meaning of it. Now, I've tried. I'm like you. I'm curious as a cat, and so I want to know what that agape love is all about. And so the closest thing I could come to in my own experience was with my kids. Now, you guys, some of you know this, some of you don't know this, but, but we were blessed with four kids. Now, it was a little wacky. They came two at a time. So I'm kind of like Noah in a weird sort of way. And so all of a sudden, we have the first set of twins that are born. And our life is turned completely topsy-turvy. We're so excited, but here's the good news. We had no idea what to expect. We didn't know that both would get sick at the exact time, both would wake up at the same time. We would always be, in a best-case scenario, a man-to-man -man defense, okay? Worst-case scenario, we were in a zone where it was two-on-one, and one would be over there going in their little language, I'm going for the kitchen pots and pans, and the other one says, I'm going for the stereo, and they would divide and conquer. <laughs> And I got to tell you, it nearly wore us to our knees. In fact, I'm going to show you a picture right now of Rick going back in time, about 2,000. Isn't he a good-looking man up there? Well, I'm going to show you. I just want to point out a couple things. One, I'm in a lazy boy recliner. I'm 20, about 27 years old there, and I'm an old man already, okay? <laughs> you, you can't quite tell, but I'm wearing old man sweatpants, okay? And I'm wearing a T-shirt from the 1970s, and here's, I'm missing a kid. There should be two kids right here, so I've lost one of my children. And then something is going on up here. I don't even know what that is anymore. And so that's what it was like to have two sets of twins. But look at that face. Isn't that a face full of joy? Well, I got to tell you what happened. All of a sudden, we got a phone call one day. I shouldn't say we. I got a phone call one day. And, and I'd only missed a couple of doctor's appointments with Jill. 
And so Jill was real nice all of a sudden one time. She says, she says, I think we should have another child. And I said, have another child? We've already got two girls. We're good. And she says, no, they came really quick. They're going to leave really quick. I, I think we should have more children. I said, we got two girls. <laughs> and, and, and she said, come on, come on, come on, come on. And so one thing led to another, and then I get this phone call. And the phone call is, are you sitting down? And I said, why? And she says, it's twins again, okay? And so my immediate reaction, and I'm in the middle of my office, I'm going, no, 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 it can't be. Because here, the good news is I know what to expect. The bad news is I know what to expect. We've just gone through, we've gone through about three years of fog where I can't remember a, a single thing that's going on. So now this is what I'm thinking about. So let's go to the next picture. This is what I'm thinking about. And again, I've lost a child. There's only three there. But I've got the same T-shirt on. I haven't, I haven't changed a T-shirt in four years, okay? And, and look at that face. Is that face full of joy right there? Well, I knew it to expect no in the background. And I'm still not sure what this is going on up here. But... I knew what to expect. Now, I got to show you, it got better. It got better. Let's look at the next picture. So this was just a moment in the time of our life. Jill is in a major zone defense, four on one. We've got, we've got two trapped. And we got two in gymnastics outfits that are goodness knows what they're going to be up to. But I'll tell you what, is this the picture of joy right there? You are a champ. So you got a little glimpse really quickly of the Holmans. I know I look really good right now and there was a day, but I'll tell you what, it wore us out. But I'll tell you, after Jill told me it's twins again and I stopped screaming, <laughs> later on, it was either, it was soon after that, I came to Jill and I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to love these kids more than the kids I already got. Isn't that weird? I thought, I had just expended all of my energy, all of my love, not only on my wife, but then it expanded into three people, and I'm thinking, I don't have any more love to give. Well, those of us who have children, when those little babies are born, God does this miraculous thing. He expands our love. He expands our love so much that we would be willing to lay down our lives for those kids. We would trade hurts for those kids. We would trade a broken arm and a heartbeat for one of our kids. And I began to get a little glimpse of what this agape love that Jesus had for me. But I got to let you in on a little secret. The reason it's indescribable is because I think I'm just scratching the surface of this love. Because this love is different in the sense that I'm not sure... I would die for all of your kids. I'm not sure I would die for some of my neighbors. I'm not sure I would die for just a random person on the street. And I can almost promise you I wouldn't die for someone who's hurt me in some way or has hurt my family. Yet this indescribable gift that was given to us in this little baby boy in Bethlehem did exactly that. Because there was this thing built inside of us called sin that separated us from him. 
And he loved us so much that he died for us even while we were still sinners. And I can't say that I would do that for all of you. And so while I have a little sense of what that love is, I can't fully describe it because I think in the end, I would look at some way to get out of it. And God and Jesus could have called down a thousand angels and stopped the whole thing in a moment. And some ask me that question, why did all of this have to happen this way? Quite frankly, it allowed us to be able to get a glimpse of the greatest story that's ever been told. This indescribable gift in the form of a little baby that we celebrate tonight has bridged generations, has bridged cultures, has bridged time zones, and has bridged the centuries that we still come together on this night to hear the same story. And it's kind of like, Grandpa, tell me that story again. We don't grow tired of it. And I think we don't grow tired of it because we can't fully get our arms around it. It's simply indescribable. So that's why you're here tonight. That's why you get to hear the same story year after year. It's because of something so magnificent that happened that we celebrate that has changed the world. We're going to end tonight with a very special song. And it's a song in which we're going to light some candles to. And, you know, Pete had alluded to a passage in John chapter 1 where sometimes Jesus was referred to as the light. And I'm going to imagine on that day in Bethlehem, on that evening, in a dark cave with not a lot of exterior illumination, it was a dark night. Now, there's talk about a star that was illuminating the space at the time, but I'm going to guess it was a very dark night. And yet, what we read about is this Jesus coming into the world as a light. And through his death and through his, more importantly, his resurrection, that people saw with their own eyes, this light would spread across cultures. It would spread against brothers who were fighting against brothers. It would spread against cultures. And the great example, the great story that some of you probably know is in 1914 during World War I. The Germans were in a fierce battle with the Allies. And yet on Christmas Eve, ironically, on that night, they joined together, former adversaries, but now as family, around a song and around a baby that was born in Bethlehem. People who were fighting each other tooth and nail, cultures, religions, people who didn't agree about anything came together for a moment that night and they sang this song that we're going to sing right now. So we're going to light this candle and I'm going to begin it, passing it out to you and we're going to hold it until the end of the song. At the end of the song, I'm going to ask you to do something uh, that'll be a, a whole lot of fun. Let me pray and then we'll sing this beautiful song that Carson's going to lead us in. Lord, we thank you that uh, we gather tonight. We thank you that the story is the same, but it still captivates our heart. Lord, we're thankful for this little baby that came in the world so unspectacularly, yet that little baby would change the world. And I believe still changes the world today. 
we see witness of this baby changing lives even today. So Lord, we thank you for coming into this world and meeting us where we were at. And Lord, we give you all the praise and glory here. In Jesus' name, amen.